0: Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to Unfiltered, the podcast show where we call it as we see it. I am your host, Nikisha prince and today my guest is Dr. Alison Leacock. But before Dr. Leacock begins, let me tell you a little about her. Dr. Leacock is the Director of National Transformation Initiative, chairman of the Barbados Broadcasting Authority, chairman International Institute of Communications, Small Nations Regulators Forum, chairman Barbados Youth Advanced Corps Training Committee, chairman Commermer School, and an independent media and human development consultant. She previously led a coalition of 112 media houses in 24 Caribbean countries for 12 years and trained over 2,000 Caribbean broadcasters. She has served on executive board of the Global Media Aids Initiative and was elected for two terms as chairman of the Global Steering Committee for the World AIDS Campaign. Key professional highlights. Dr. Leacock has 38 years in executive management, in corporate communications, media, needs assessment, training, human resource development and leadership for the three years in broadcast media including production and presentation as the news anchor and as general manager of the caribbean broadcasting corporation ceo of the national cultural foundation leading barbado's cultural development proven track record in exemplary leadership of major organizations conceptualizing and developing behavior change, communication and human development training. She was also cultural affairs specialist at the U.S. Embassy covering the Eastern Caribbean after being officer in charge and student coordinator at the University of the West Indies Distance Education Center, now the open campus, and first manager of the Frank Collymore Hall owned by the Central Bank of Barbados. She holds master's and PhD degrees in Educational Technology, Concordia University, Canada, and BA in English and Education, and the diploma in Education from Sterling University, UK. Her training also includes diplomas in human resource management, facility management, arts management, and alternative dispute resolution. A former national athlete, gymnast, dancer, and actress. She is trained in sign language, is a volunteer with Special Olympics and Barbados Council for the Disabled, receiving numerous awards for her professional accomplishments, as well as community work and volunteerism. Good afternoon, Dr. Lika, and welcome to Unfiltered. How are you today?
1: Good afternoon. I'm busy, hot, not bothered, but good. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Now let's get straight into your interview. How did you get started in your various career? I can't say career because you hold many hats. How did you get started in your first career?
1: Actually, my first career was purely by accident. I was a student, a sixth-form student at Combermere School at the time, and my English teacher used to host this radio program called Teensville on Rediffusion. He was going away for the summer and he said, Alison, would you like to host this program? I said, no, I'm not interested. He says, "You'll get paid? I said, oh, I'm interested. And so I started to do this Teensville program. You know, when you are a teenager, you you feel fireproof. Nothing seems impossible. So as a teenager, I was a big fan of Elton John's music. In those days, we didn't have a lot of the security issues that we have now. So a number of stars came to Barbados and Elton John was visiting Barbados and they said where he was staying. So because I'm a fan, I thought, oh, it would be lovely to talk to him about his music. He's there. So I drove to the location he was staying at and rang the doorbell. And out came Bernie Taupin, who is his songwriter, and I recognized him because I loved Elton John. So I had read up about him anyway. So he came and I explained to him that I, I did this team program and that I would love to talk to Elton John. So he said, hang on a minute. And the next thing I knew, he came back, let me in, and I was interviewing Elton John. Wow. So then <laughs> the powers that be at Reader Fusion, uh, Alfred Pragner or Globe CEO, Frank Pardo, They all then offered me a job. So I fell into broadcasting. It was not on my radar at all.
0: Whoa. So when you got into broadcasting, how did you feel? Since it was not your career, but you fell into that career, how did it feel? Did it change your mindset, get you more interested? What happened after then?
1: I enjoyed it. And I think in those days, we had really top shelf. Broadcasters. They didn't allow you to make mistakes. They corrected everything you did. It was the norm. You didn't feel somehow insulted when they did. And therefore, uh, you really learned to be your best self every day. So I enjoy that. I met people like Carolyn Barrow, who, in my view, is still the finest interviewer I've ever witnessed in action because she's so effortless. She has a conversation, she draws you out and you don't even realize that you're having this conversation. She makes you feel as if you're the only important person in the world. Uh, And then of course you're taught all the rudiments of the profession, the different tone, the different treatment. If you are doing an outside broadcast, if you're doing a state funeral, if you're doing continuity. And so I enjoyed it. But in my mind, the real reason I accepted the position is that I needed to make enough money to pay for my first year university. In my mind, I wanted to do English, dance and drama. And I had applied locally to the Student Revolving Loan Fund and they were trying to encourage me to do a general degree and then go to Erdiston. But because I wanted to do the combination, I had been accepted at a number of universities and Sterling had the appeal that I felt would suit what I wanted to do. Mm. So I I needed to work for a little bit more than I would have gotten had I continued to do uh, the teaching that I had been doing in English and French at Community. So then uh, I left and I studied while I was at university at Sterling. Sterling is in Scotland. It's a beautiful campus. Uh, it has a lake, they would call it a loch, and a, and a castle. And that castle housed a university radio station, so I became station manager there. Nice. They, they also had a performing arts centre, the Mount Roberts Arts Theatre, which had all of the top-level creative uh, acts that went to the Edinburgh festival. So I then got an opportunity to engage in my love of the arts and became the choreographer for the university um, group. So I still continued my loves while I was studying. And then when I returned home, uh, VOB asked me about coming there as uh, program manager. I was like, I don't know anything about admin, so I'm going to stick with working as assistant assistant um, program manager and at the time Julian Rogers was was head of VOB and uh, you know we had a wonderful time shaping this new station and this new ethos it was going to be slightly different from Rediffusion which was very wedded to the BBC format of broadcasting so I I think I I came back to it and then I was offered Chance of a lifetime by Sir Courtney Blackman, the late Sir Courtney Blackman, to run the Frank Cullimore Hall, and because of my love for the arts, I was very tempted. But I also knew I did not know anything about management, so I said to him, uh, "I, you would need to train me because I, I don't think I know enough to to run a facility." And train me, he did. And that's, that's how I, I ended up uh, at the Frank Conor Hall and having this hybrid love of one and the other. The truth of the matter is, though, as long as you have been in broadcasting, it never leaves you. You don't listen to the radio the same way that a layman would. You don't watch television in the same way. So it's a bug that bites you. But for me, I never took myself that seriously in it because it was not something i aspired to i didn't even know i had the talent or the gift so i think in that regard um it just served me well because i never felt that i was all that you know i just enjoyed it
0: wow (laughs) So Dr. Lika, how did you make it amidst all of the challenges? Because I know there must have been challenges since it was never a career that you set out to do. How did you make it amidst all of the challenges you faced in, you know, attending university in Scotland, coming back, being offered a position at VOB and you know being trained to work at the uh, Frank Hall? How did you make it amidst all of those challenges?
1: I think fundamentally I'm a fighter. Uh, I'm also a loner, so I, it, love, it, 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 <laughs> um, I love challenges and I, I love new things. I love learning new things. So I saw each of them as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Perhaps if I were less inclined to enjoy challenges, I may simply have refused some of the opportunities. But I do think that you know each of us has to know what works for us and what doesn't. Uh, For me, I enjoy learning new things and then mastering them where I can. That is always my goal to master it. And in the process, I think if you recognize that you are growing, you don't at the time. But on reflection, if you do spend a lot of time in reflection, you recognize very quickly that every challenge is an opportunity for growth and it builds your character. So instead of wilting under it, at the time you may be really overwhelmed, Uh, that happens, but you have to keep your mind on the destination, keep your focus on the destination, no matter the challenges. And if you develop a, uh, a perception in your own mind's eye, that everything happens for a reason, If you believe in God, you know, he makes no mistakes. And therefore, you see every apparent challenge as an opportunity. And it may, in fact, be the best gift to you. At the time, you don't see that, but that is usually what it is. Because it is preparing you for more and better things as you grow.
0: Nice, nice. I do believe that challenges indeed make us we are or rather who we are because if there's no challenges then we wouldn't we wouldn't grow that's just how i see life you know just being stuck in one place or one position that's not enjoying life you have to challenge yourself every day keep going after you know your goals your dreams keep trying new things just don't be bored stuck at one place (laughs)
1: exactly and and the 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 important thing as well about challenges is that it builds empathy every time you have a challenge you have a greater appreciation for someone who goes through that every day if you haven't walked that road you cannot empathize and you cannot then be in a position where when people come to you with different personalities and different approaches you begin to see what is behind the behavior, not just the behavior, because we can, we can often respond to symptoms without thinking about the cause. I, I'm a firm believer that if you if you think about why somebody is behaving that way, usually a disruptive child is looking for attention and love and acceptance. Similar with adults and it it just manifests itself differently because as adults we try to mask it and so sometimes people have a mask they don't even realize that that is a mask Mm. but it is a it's a mask that is really saying i feel insecure and i am not going to let you hurt me so i'm going to hurt you first
0: Hmm. you know it's funny that you say that because I realize in life we somehow the other we judge people a lot without empathizing with them we just think that oh she's just doing this for attention but if you really sit down you know like you say take the time to understand why this person is behaving the way they are behaving. then there's so much you would learn about that individual that you didn't know and then it might be too late to empathize with them because you've already caused so much damage to that person instead of empathizing with them, you know, and trying to be your brother's keeper, trying to comfort them and counsel them and lead them in the right direction. The first thing we quick to do as human is just to judge because we don't know, we haven't walked a mile in their shoes, so we don't know why they're acting the way they're acting, but we quick to say, oh, if it was me, then I would have done this that way, or I would have done it the other way without even knowing why a person chose the route they chose.
1: And the truth of the matter is we're all very different. And we, we we manage experiences differently. I would say, however, it is never too late to show empathy. Even if you you reacted in the wrong way, I think there's nothing more enriching than being big enough to say, I'm sorry. I really didn't know, I made assumptions that I ought not to have made. And so my reaction to you was misguided. So I apologize. Let's start over. And, we, and you know, heal the relationship with humility. I think that we feel humility is weakness. It is really a tremendous strength. Because if you don't have the humility to acknowledge where you may have been wrong, or if you're not prepared to submit yourself in in a healthy way. And I don't mean submit in being passive. I mean, submit in the sense that if we believe that really and truly we can all do better, there's no one person that needs to do better more than the other. Each of us can do better. And if we approach everything with that perspective, it would really mitigate a lot of the hostility and aggression that we see with everybody but people are trying to cope in the only way they know how
0: so true so dr Leacock, what's one thing you wish you had known before you began your career in broadcasting
1: ah uh, what do i wish i had known um <laughs> uh, perhaps how incredibly influential you are the minute the microphone is opened We were always told this, that when you are on air, there's a responsibility you have to your audience. What you don't always realize is what an impact you can make on a life. And that's a responsibility. We currently see it only in in the context of uh, celebrity and power and stardom, all of which are very fleeting and very fickle because audiences can change their likes and dislikes just as quickly. But I think the responsibility um, about everything we say and do is, is something that I hadn't realized until I left the profession. And, I, you know, there are people who come up to me and said, you have no idea what a difference you made when you did X. This has happened now throughout my, my career in different roles that I've had and what it has cemented for me is that if you approach every role that you have with sincerity, commitment and integrity it's the best way to be if you if you are phony, if you lie, if you shortchange your organization or whatever you constantly have to check back on which lie you told when. Mm. If you are somebody of integrity and you treat every single person you meet with respect, you earn respect you didn't even know you were earning. So the the goal really, in my view, has to be more about being a value than being a success. So I think that's the kind of important lesson that... Um, i took away from from those early days and and um i don't know that there was anything that i did that i regretted maybe i would have selected which advertisements i voiced more if i knew that you know when people ask you to voice an ad you just do it yeah so i think but the influence i think is is the the fact that i hadn't realized as a young young broadcaster that I now have um, deep appreciation
0: for. Great! What is one of your most accomplished men today? Your most exciting or memorable accomplishment today? Ooh! Ooh. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: have I have a lot of really wonderful memories, and uh, I have tried really to enjoy everything I've done. Uh, Some are harder work than others, no question about that. But um, I think my most enjoyable would still have to have been the Frank Color Hall. Perhaps because it was my newest experience at leading something, I learned there the difference between managing and leading. And that I took with me at, at all of my subsequent jobs. The Frank Cunamore Hall, however, um, created was was an opportunity to be part of something brand new, to pioneer the Mecca of performing arts in the country, to run a beautiful facility, to establish best practices in arts management and a facility management. And just the joy of the artists, local, regional and international, the people that I was able to meet. um, Yes, the stars like Roberta Flack and being presented to Her Majesty the Queen. And, you know, there are a lot of things that at the time um, were milestones for me. And I I perhaps didn't realize the the significance of it. I took it in stride, but I, I believe that that was really enjoyable. Equally, I enjoyed the NCF and CBC. They were very different. They were very challenging, but I enjoyed every minute um, because, again, I got an opportunity to engage with uh, a diverse group of people, really learn the essence of Barbados and Barbadian psyche and behavior and everything that makes us tick. And, and therefore, I think the NCF opened another wider door for me, uh, as did the CBC, because all of it is building national identity, and that was why I was able to be persuaded by the current prime minister, who was my minister of culture then, and then the attorney general and minister of home affairs at the time. I was general manager at CBC, um, that you know, both institutions are pillars of. Uh, that create an opportunity to build national identity. And uh, the the mix of individuals with whom I I had to work, the teams that I had to lead were eclectic, some very difficult, but um, they strengthened me in the process. And to this day, staff from both institutions speak to me nonstop. And so, you know, I feel as if that, that we had indeed made some positive differences in people's lives in in that regard.
0: Lovely. Who or what motivates you?
1: Making a difference motivates me. Uh, Being the best, doing my best, um, striving to be at the zenith. I feel as though we often think that will do. I like to think we can do more. I always feel we can do more. So that drives me. Uh, somebody says I'm a very driven woman. I am. I'm driven Definitely. by purpose. <laughs> I think um, I think you need to have a purpose or feel your purpose. And sometimes it takes a while to find out what it is. Um, I have learned to try to, to use my skills to champion for individuals who may be sidelined. I am very passionate about championing young people. I get very tired when I hear adults saying, oh, today's young people. Uh, That annoys me because I feel, as adults, we have failed young people. By and large, we have failed them. We have failed to model them, uh, the kind of behaviour that we want them to exhibit. We say one thing and we do something else. So we're disingenuous and they they detect it immediately. So I am very passionate about them. I am passionate about ensuring equality and inclusion for people with disabilities, because I feel until we begin to value every single person, we are not going to be a world-class country. We, we, We tick boxes about qualifications that we have, about things that we've achieved, but if we really aren't inclusive and we don't treat every single person with value, we have failed to be world-class in my view. So I'm, I'm, I'm very driven by giving voice to the voiceless and ensuring that whatever we do in my corner, I try to, to always instill in my team, there is no us and them. That there must be respect for every single person. So if if I say, have we reviewed uh, a a plan for television? And I say, have you asked the guard? I don't want to hear the guard as if the guard isn't a person. I dare say the guard probably knows the schedule better than we do. So these are things that as a country, I think we have to change. We have to change driving by the guys on the block, instead of rolling down our window and saying, hi, good morning, how are you doing? They're people. And this idea that we are better than you are because of the positions we hold, when we get to death's door, there is no position. You're just dust. So this idea that because I hold this position, I'm important, every position is temporary and it shouldn't define your character. Your character matters more than the position. If you have a position of influence, then it becomes even more important that you use that influence for good and you demonstrate that every single person matters, that you don't rush to do something urgently because of who asked you to do it. You rush to do it well because somebody needs it done. Full stop. Nice. And I- so, Dr.
0: Leacock, my final question to you. What advice would you give to someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours?
1: I think the first bit of advice I would give is what I said earlier. Strive to to be a value and less about being a success. The success is icing on the cake and the success is measured differently depending on who you talk to. So I wouldn't get caught up with that. I think if you are a value and you're making a positive difference, that is your success because that is long lasting. I would like us to move past judging confidence and labeling it arrogance in women because we don't do it with men. We say they're assertive and strong, but we need confidence to be decisive. So we need confidence to set and maintain high standards. And and I think we should, you know, I make that my personal mantra, confidence with humility, Uh, that matters. Treating everybody with respect is really, really important. Leadership is a lonely path, but each of us can lead in our own sphere. It is important that we model what we want to see, not sit on the sidelines and complain. It takes nothing to complain. It takes more to contribute to trying to make the difference that you see, and and find your passion and be authentic, uh, be agile and adaptable, and not don't take yourself too seriously. We need to have a sense of humor and always be able to laugh at yourself so you can grow. People's public persona is not always. The totality of who they are Uh, people can put on a role in their public life as they must and they may be very private personally and that is important to appreciate that we don't know all the dimensions of somebody we need to give respect to get respect integrity fairness and principle over personality Um, to my mind is the way to go it's it's not what we say or think that really defines us but it's what we do
0: nice love it so how can our listeners connect with you if they would like you know advice in media or you're you're different career you hold so many different careers how can our listeners connect with you online for advice mostly in media and human development
1: well, I am on Facebook. Uh, I I am in many zones, really. So uh, they can certainly uh, hit us up at the Barbados Broadcasting Authority Facebook page, which you so expertly manage <laughs> at the moment. And uh, I am on Facebook and I am on LinkedIn, Alison Leacock. Very straightforward.
0: Thank you very much.
1: And I'm and I'm I G Alison Liver
0: nice thank you very much dr leacock it was indeed a pleasure having you on my show today i wish you nothing but success in your future endeavors so there you have it listeners don't forget to follow dr leacock for more updates about her life and don't forget to join us next wednesday for another episode of unfiltered be true to who you are always and stay motivated